So the Apostle John is teaching us about prayer this morning. And we see in the passage that Mary and her sister Martha sent a request to Jesus. Their brother Lazarus was sick. He was really sick. They were afraid he might die. So they sent this urgent message to Jesus. Come here. Please come quick. Lay your healing hands on our brother. And today we call that prayer. And the text tells us that Mary was the one who anointed Jesus. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And he's giving us a preview because this happens in the next chapter. But the apostles are telling us a little bit ahead of time. This is something we need to know. It shows us how much that Mary loved Jesus. And what a wonderful act of worship, taking this precious ointment, costing thousands of dollars, anointing Jesus' body and wiping it off with her hair. It's an act of service, even worship, sacrifice. And her sister Martha was also known as a devoted disciple. And notice also that when they send this prayer request, they don't even mention their brother by name. John 11:3. His sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And they sent the message that way, believing Jesus would know exactly who they meant. Didn't have to mention by name because he'd just know. The one he loved is Lazarus. And people reading this for the first time might be thinking, well, doesn't God love everyone? How can you say the one you love? And, and it's one man. And this is talking about Jesus' ministry as Emmanuel, as a prophet said, Emmanuel, God with us. So Jesus entered into our world by being born of a woman. And it even says, as a child, he was subject to his parents. He obeyed his parents. Imagine that. The Son of God himself. And he learned his father's trade. Isn't this a carpenter's son? It says. And then as an adult, he went out on his own. He, he waited. He wanted to do what's right as, as a man, as a person. So he waited. And as an adult, he became a traveling preacher. So in other words, he became one of us. He lived among us. And he did what people do. He made friends. He even had a best friend. His best friend was Lazarus. It's the one he loved. John 11.5 Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So Jesus gets this prayer request, and instead of hurrying to his best friend, he stays two days where he is, and during that time his friend dies. And if you ever had a situation like that in your own life, by that I mean, do you ever wonder why God lets certain things happen? You watch the TV news and wonder, God, why do you let this happen? Wars, famines... 
or, or has a, a friend of yours suffered a terrible loss, or maybe your own family's been struck with tragedy, and you wonder why. Why, Lord, did you let that happen? Or has there been a time when you even thought you saw it coming and you prayed for it? You prayed for the Lord, don't let that happen, please. And the thing you feared happened anyway, and where was God? Why didn't He come? And people can react in different ways. Some people might ask themselves, doesn't God love me? If He loves me, why'd that happen? Why'd you let it happen? But look at the text. It said that Jesus had a special love for Mary and Martha, and particularly even for Lazarus. And because of that love, He waited. And here's why. He wanted to give Him something better. And things like this can be hard for us to see at first. Paul writes about it. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9, he says, We know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, and that which is part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a dim glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. So the, the apostle, and think how great he was, how powerfully God used Paul. But even, even Paul said, I know in part. He didn't know everything. And he says, we, meaning he, he included, we see through a dim glass darkly. At the best of times, our vision's dim. And even so, the Lord knows our frame. He remembers we're dust. And he opens our eyes with the gospel. And see what Jesus did. Mary and Martha prayed. And the Lord delayed. And why is that? Because he wanted to give them something much better than what they asked for. Which is faith and eternal life. And these things are recorded in the gospels for our benefit. No matter what trials come into your life, whatever befalls the earth. We can take courage. Here's some famous words, a famous poem by William Coper. Wrote it in 1773. And this building wasn't built yet, but there were Baptists here worshiping at that time. That's where our spiritual roots go. And, and he was a poet in England. And it, this was... Some of the old time saints, this is a new poem. And uh, it's one that became a famous adage that we still use today. You ever hear someone say, God works in mysterious ways? It's a reference to this poem, even though the words are a little bit different. God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps on the sea and rides upon the storm. He fearful saints... Fresh courage take the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. And that man had some personal struggles. Things of me wonder why God let that happen. And this is a precious faith that came out of that. God strengthened his faith through that. And his poem's true. I would say every word. So our 
You're afraid to see the storm on the horizon. Well, who rides in on the storm? It's Jesus Christ. And the psalmist sings to the Lord. This is Psalm 102. Thou who covers thyself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who lays the beam of his chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks upon the wings of the wind. Why'd the storm come? What were you praying? Like Mary and Martha, did you pray for Jesus to come? Well, here he is, walking on the storm clouds, taking wing on the wind. And that's often how Jesus comes into our lives. So before you overcome with fear, open your eyes. Because God often works in a way opposite of what we'd expect. And this is the reason why God has a different perspective than we have. This week, I climbed to the top of a hill and there's cliffs and you can look down on Stonehouse Pond. I believe that's Barrington. And you can see, I think, into Stratford. So from that vantage point, I have a different perspective on things. It's beautiful. And we live in an age where we send men and women into orbit. We've even sent people to the moon. And the astronauts look and they can see the earth. Something like a coin held out at arm's length. <laughs> Thank you. So there's something, there's a phenomenon that's been noted. One author called it the uh, orbital perspective. But people seeing the earth, the totality of the earth, like that, often changes their lives. It's startling. And they can be forever changed. And one of these people is an astronaut named Ron Guerin. And this is what he wrote. And the context is he was, they call it a spacewalk, but it really wasn't walking. It was on this enormous robotic arm. And they're hanging and nothing. Everybody afraid of heights. Imagine the earth is this big. <laughs> and you're on this arm and there's nothing around you to grab. If you come off that arm, well, <laughs> and the arm, this huge robotic arm is moving him from one side of the space station to the other. So he's going across this arc. Okay, so this is what he wrote. And as he's doing that, he, noted, he looks and sees the earth as just this little thing from that perspective. And he, he writes, As I approached the top of this arc, it was as if time stood still. And I was flooded with both emotion and awareness. But as I looked down on the earth, this stunning, fragile oasis, this island that has been given to us, and has protected us from the harshness of space. A sadness came over me and I was hit in the gut with an undeniable sobering contradiction. In spite of the overwhelming beauty of this, see this scene, serious inequity exists on the apparent paradise we've been given. I couldn't help thinking of the nearly one billion people who don't have clean water to drink. The countless number who go to bed hungry every night. The social injustice, conflict, and poverty. 
that remain pervasive across the planet. Seeing the Earth from this vantage point gave me a unique perspective, something I've come to call the orbital perspective. Part of this realization is that we're all traveling together on the planet, and then if we looked at the world from that perspective, we would see that nothing's impossible. And I'm amazed by the astronaut's words here, but here's an even more amazing truth, is that God's perspective is much higher than that. So much higher, it doesn't even compare. And yet, in the scriptures, God brings this message down to our level so that we can easily understand, and I think explain it to a child. And because of that, I think I can explain it to you. Jesus' perspective on Lazarus, sickness and death. John 11, verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, he will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So Mary and Martha were looking at the present situation. And who can blame them? I mean... Perhaps we don't have a choice. We're here in the flesh. If my body gets sick, of course, I'm thinking about that. I pray about that. If you're really in pain, it can be hard to think about anything else. And if a loved one gets sick, that can be worse, I think. And here, here we all are in these bodies, in this world. But I don't want to get so wrapped up in fleshly things. I forget that God is high above everything and that his perspective is eternity. Not this present situation, but eternity. And we know from the scriptures, Genesis 1 and 2, that God created a perfect paradise. And that sin entered into the world. And because of that, the different troubles that we have. And if you look closely at the scriptures, one of the first things that God did when Adam sinned is he took away his access to the tree of life. God speaks and says, look, this is Genesis 3, 22, Behold, the man has now become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed them at the east of the Garden of Eden, cherubims with a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So not only did God drive Adam and Eve out of the garden, but he sent angels to guard the tree of life. So sins entered the world and with that sickness and troubles but if I had the choice, I'd probably say, yeah, let me live forever. Who wants to die? Let everyone I love live forever. But God doesn't want us to live 
in a place like this forever. He has something better for us. And I believe God. I trust God. But I have to admit, I don't like the fact that people die. My grandparents have gone. My parents have gone. And one day we're all going, all of us. And I don't like that. But I might not be too far off base because God doesn't like death either. John 11.33 When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said Where have you laid him? And they said to him Lord come and see. Jesus wept. As Stacy pointed out the shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept. And God doesn't like death either, but I'll tell you a secret. We don't really die, at least not the saints. The scripture says that we fall asleep. And you could call it a euphemism, or perhaps not really, because I, I know what it's like for the saints anyway. You, you close your eyes just like a normal time you're falling asleep. And you open your eyes, you're in a different place. And it's the best day you ever had. And that's where our loved ones who died in Christ are, and they're joyful. And, and it's a joy that we can't presently comprehend. And all I can tell you is God's plan. And God's plan is the way to the mountaintop, is through the valley. And that's just the way it is. God has a different perspective than us. And because of that, different priorities. And we ask him something, he doesn't always answer immediately and not always in the way that we want, but he does care. He does not want us to be in pain. At the same time, God doesn't lose sight of priorities. And primarily, God wants us to live with him forever. But have you believed what he said? It all comes down to faith. Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe it? So that's the most important thing in any person's life is faith. If you put faith in Christ, He'll make you fully alive and you'll never die. And yeah, we'll live forever, but not in this place. When Jesus returns, He'll gather us up in the air. And the scripture says that the, the surface of the earth, the elements, it says, will get so hot that they'll melt. And fire cleanses things. So everything we see around us, I mean, I love this church building, but it's going to melt. But God's not taking away anything from us, because it also says that heavenly Jerusalem will come down and rest upon the physical spot that Jerusalem is now. That will be burned up. Heavenly Jerusalem will come down. God will be with man. He'll wipe away all our tears. No, there'll be no more crying or sorrow evermore. God will be with us and be our God. And it will be a restored world. And what a wonderful place. And though this sanctuary, this church building will be burned up, heavenly Jerusalem, can you even imagine? God can give us a glimpse if we ask him, but can we know? I don't think we can. It's so beautiful. It's a wonderful place. We can be there forever. And you and I can lose... We can lose sight of that fact for a while. We can make other things our priorities. But God's so high, He's so high up that He never loses sight of eternity. 
And God does different things. I, God does things I don't always agree with. Why? Because I have a puny brain and I'm sinful. I'm sorry. I'm weak. And I don't agree with everything he does. But this I know. Because I trust God anyway. Whatever God does, he does for his kingdom. It's to bring you to faith and increase your faith and bring others into the kingdom and to hasten the arrival of the kingdom. And whatever God allows to happen will advance his kingdom. And life is a lesson. That's why we're here. All of life is a lesson. So every day God will present things to me. And it goes best for me if I learn the lesson God wants me to learn as it's presented to me. But I'm not perfect. I make tons of mistakes. But here's the thing. God's patient. And what's that mean? If I don't learn it the first time, then what do you know? People say, oh, coincidence or having a streak of bad luck. It's not. It's God. It's like, why am I going through the same thing again and again? Well, God's given me another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. However many chances you need or I need. So if I feel like I'm going in circles, well, you feel you're not making progress in life. Maybe pray for discernment. Maybe pray for vision to see what God's doing. God's in everything. God even uses the evil people without them knowing it. But it's meant to be an exciting adventure. None of it's boring if you're following Christ. And God wants to bring us new things every day. How exciting, wonderful, new adventures. Until that day... He takes you home to a place so wonderful we can't even presently imagine. And thank you, Jesus. And it all happens in His time. 681 in your hymnal. In His time.